0: Well, you know how I like you to sit near the front. So if you're seating up front, you might be able to see this. But if you're not, there is a solution. (laughs) Uh, I had a birthday this week, and I had a great time. Now, I must confess, I am not going gently into that good night. Uh, I don't like getting older, but what can I say? I am getting older, and I'm glad to have a birthday. And my wife gave me a birthday card, and I don't know if you can see this, but it's a picture of a man... And he's wearing his pants, blue pants, and uh, they're all pulled up. Now, you can't see any arms in this because his pants are, uh, Marcy sees it, his pants are, you know, his hands are down like this and his pants are pulled up and his belt is around his neck. And it says, a fashion tip for men of your age. And you open the card and it says, if you wear your pants high enough, you don't even need a shirt. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, <laughs> my. There's, there's nobody like family to speak truth to you. Isn't that, the, isn't that right? How high are my, I'm not, my pants? Are, I'm wearing a shirt. Just calm down here. It's good to have family because they can speak the truth to you. And uh, your children, your wife, you know, your husband, uh, folks that are close to you, friends, uh, just to keep you on the right road. Now, guys, if you got your pants a little high today, that's your problem. Don't worry about it. But uh, anyhow. This is a great day. This is Thanksgiving Sunday, and I want to talk to you uh, briefly about Thanksgiving. And the title for today is this, Five Words to a New Future. Five Words to a New Future. Now, some of you, being uh, of the pessimistic kind, you say, well, five words can't change your future. And I'll grant you that might be a stretch to say five words could change your future, but I think it is possible, actually. And basically, as I speak for the next few minutes, there are three kinds of folks here. Some of you are listening, and it doesn't matter what I say, you're just going to go out and do what you want. So that's okay. There are folks like that. That's your issue. Some of you are listening. You're going to say, well, Steve, as you give these five words, they're already a part of my life. I think I've already adopted those words. And for you... And I think for me as well, as you hear these words, it's a little bit like a refresher course. It's much like a person who goes to the gym to work out, and maybe they go to a new gym and work out with somebody they haven't worked out with before, but they always work out anyhow, so it's just a part of their lifestyle. So today, this may simply add to what you're already doing, and that's great. But I think for some of you today, this could actually be A life-changing experience. These five words might just set you in a direction that impacts you for the rest of your life. I really believe that. Now, before we get to those five words, we're going to be looking at Psalm 107 today. And it's a pretty uh, special psalm. And I want to share these words with you. And before I give them to you, these are easy words. Everybody can understand them. I like things simple and easy, so uh, that's okay. I'll just put it here and trip over it. Um, these are easy words, and everybody can understand them. And so that's the first thing. It's simple. I like simple. Secondly, they're great words. These aren't Steve's words. These words come right out of Scripture. So that's why I say they're great words. They're, they're Bible words. And they're old words. I mean really old. Because actually, for thousands of years, the people of God, people of faith, have been using these words. These words. And so, again, I'm kind of excited about these five words today that I think can impact your life in a dramatic way. Now, what on earth are the five words? Well, they're the five words that open Psalm 107, and they're these. Give thanks to the Lord. Can you say that with me? Give thanks to the Lord. Now, Psalm 107 is where we're going to be looking today in detail. And if you'd like to follow along, there's a Bible in front of you uh, on page uh, 558. I don't need those. 558. And the first words of this psalm, some translations say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Some just say, give thanks to the Lord. But it says the reason for which we can give thanks. Why give thanks to the Lord? What does it say there in verse 1? is good. God is good. So you can give thanks today because God is good. His love endures forever. Now, actually, the psalm gives you two reasons for giving thanks. And if you don't have any other reasons, if you can't think of why to give thanks, at least you can say, well, I'm giving thanks because God is good. You can always count on God's goodness and love to you. And the second reason is, we're going to explore this in detail, but this is really a song about God rescuing people, God as a rescuer. And so if you've ever been rescued by God, you can give thanks as well. And those are the two reasons that really are lifted up in this psalm about giving thanks. Now, at the outside, one more one more comment, because there are two ways to read this song, and you can decide how you want to read it, but let me give you the options. This song has four major sections, and each section is about a different group of people. And in the first section we're going to look at, it's the wanderers. So let's call these people the wanderers. The middle section are prisoners, okay? What are you? Yeah, he said we're in prison for the next 30 minutes here. Uh, and then this section would be, uh, what is it? The, the, the Bible word is fools. Sorry. Hey, I'm just, that's verse 17, I think you can look it up. Uh, so we're going to say this is the fools, or as one scholar said, the wackos. And we'll get to that in a minute. And then... Uh, there's another group that's called the sailors. Those are the four sections here of people who are rescued. Now, the question you have to decide is, is this really representing four different kinds of people, four situations God rescues? In other words, God rescued the, uh, what, do you, what is this group, the wanderers? God rescued who are you? Prisoners. God rescued you. You're what? Fools. Yeah. And then uh, the God rescued the sailors. Is it just four different kinds of groups? Or the other way to look at the psalm is that actually each section represents something that might be a part of your life. So you might say this is true of all of us at some time in our life. And you can decide which way you want to read it as we go through. But those are your options. So let's begin today. And uh, I want to give you some... We're going to talk about giving thanks to the Lord. And that's the way the psalm begins. He says, Give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Or, as one translation puts it, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. What did Christina do a minute ago? She told her story. Now, if you are a person of faith, you have a story. And that's your story to to tell. And don't ever tell a pastor like me, Steve, I don't have anything to say. Because I'll say, well, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? And you say, yes. And I'll say, you have something to say. Tell your story. And uh, let's give you a verse. Verse 2 says to do that. So we give thanks to the Lord. We tell our story. And then he talks about um, the people he has redeemed out of trouble. He's gathered them from the east and the west, the north and the south. And I suspect if we wanted to take the time the rest of the day, we could tell stories here. People from literally all around the world are here this morning and could say, here's what God has done in my life. So let's get into this psalm, and in verse 4, we, we meet the first group, and they're really talked about in verses 4 through 9, and this is, these are the wanderers. And so what you might want, if you like to fill in on your sermon outline, you can just jot down, if God has rescued you, you were a helpless, hapless wanderer, then give thanks to the Lord. If there's been a time in your life when you've been a hapless wanderer, you've been lost, God helped you. You can give thanks to the Lord. Now, let's read for a moment what it says about these folks. Verse 10, or verse 4, rather. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to inhabit town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. What did they do then? They cried out to the Lord. And you'll see this repeated over and over again. In fact... This phrase comes up over and over again, and then they cry out to God, God rescues them, and they give thanks to the Lord. And that phrase is repeated five times in these verses. They gave thanks to the Lord. And so this morning, as you look through these uh, verses, and you think about hapless wanderer, it may be referring to the time when Israel was in exile, they came out of Egypt... They wandered in the desert, and they were hapless wanderers. And it says, finally, God led them to a town or a village, you see in verse 7. And uh, the idea is, if we had time today, we would talk about where we're all going. We're eventually all going to a heavenly city. We're not going to live out in the country. We're going to live in the heavenly city, right? The New Jerusalem that's spoken about in the Revelation. Now, it says God led them there. They were hapless wanderers, and He brought them into this place. Have you ever been lost? In the book of Ephesians, and I'll read this to you. You don't necessarily need to turn there. But in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is writing about our condition before we met God. And here's what he says. You were dead through your trespasses and sins. Dead. That's one way he describes life outside of God. And then he says in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy out of great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And that's a lot to say there. But the idea is that God loves us. God is good. And before we even knew God, God knew us, and He brought us back into relationship through Jesus Christ. We were lost, and then we were found. You think of the story of the prodigal son. And so if you were ever a hapless wanderer, if you can identify with that sense of being lost then you can surely identify with this uh, giving thanks to the Lord for the Lord is good. As I read through this, and I think these stories are meant to not just make us walk out of here and say, oh, now I know about the wanderer and the prisoner and so forth. They're really not meant to do that at all. They're meant to trigger in your own mind, your own story, to remember when, when was the time in your life you were lost? Did, did you find God to help you? And do you now thank God? Because isn't it true, so oftentimes in our lives, we do have an experience with the Lord. The Lord helps us in a specific way, and we get out of that mess, and we move on down the road, and we forget about it. We just stop saying thank you. Now, as I was reading this story, for example, it triggered in me. I was thinking, when was I ever lost? Now, I'm geographically challenged, so I'm frequently lost in my car, but it doesn't matter to me anymore. I always get somewhere, and it's a joy. But I was thinking about more spiritually or emotionally, when was I ever lost? And I was thinking about um, the fact that, actually, I grew up in a wonderful Christian home, was in church all my childhood, and, uh, but I got lost as a teenager and as a young man. I just turned my back on all that stuff and wandered away. And you could say I was a helpless wanderer. In the desert, I found my wife, Joyce. Uh, she had never been in church, and uh, we got married... And as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of we really came back to the Lord. I came back to the Lord, Joyce met the Lord, when our first son was born, and I became a parent. And uh, I was rescued from that wilderness or that desert. And so uh, even this week as I read this psalm, I said, Let me give thanks to the Lord for the ways in which He's rescued me at that time in my life. And there, of course, have been many other times. So can you give thanks to the Lord for rescuing you in some situation? Now, the next group I want to look at, uh, we'll put this slide up there. If you've ever been freed from captivity or failure, you are a penalized prisoner. Give thanks to the Lord. Now, I don't know if you identify with prisoners or much, but what I'd like to do here, just for the sake of time, is we're going to collapse these two center stories together for a moment. And let me talk about both of them. Uh, They're actually two distinct stories. But in verses 10 and 17, these begin... In verse 10, it says, Some sat in darkness and in gloom, prisoners in misery and irons. They had rebelled against the words of God, and they spurned the counsel of the Most High. Their hearts were bowed down with hard labor. And it goes on and on to talk about what it's like in prison. These are the prisoners. Now, when you think of prison, some folks commit crimes, they do things wrong, they end up in prison. And there are those kind of folks in prison. There are also people in prison who... For whatever reason, they're unjustly or unjustly charged and they end up in prison, not because they've done something wrong, but because others are wrong and put them in prison. And so you have people in prison who belong there. They've done something bad. You have people who don't belong there. They're victims in a sense. Now, can one group or the other cry out to God or can they both cry out to God? It doesn't really matter why you're there, does it? You may cry out to God and God will help you. And just back a few pages in Psalm twenty three, the most famous of all the Psalms, uh, we read these words Psalm twenty three, verse four. You know the Psalm twenty three, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and then you get down to verse four, it says Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. You are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me, even though I'm in a dark valley. So God is there with us in prison. Whether we're rightly there or wrongly there, if we cry out to the Lord, the Lord will help. Now, as I was thinking about this, I want to fast forward to the ministry of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came to earth and He announced His ministry, He borrowed words from the prophet Isaiah. And it's very interesting. Let me show you where I'm going. Jesus said, as He started preaching in the synagogue, He said these words, "...the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor." He has sent me to proclaim release to who? Some of you know the words. The prisoner. I've been, Jesus speaking, I've been sent to proclaim release to the prisoner. It's interesting. And so this morning, um, none of us are literally in prison. But God says, if the prisoner cries out to me, I will redeem that person. Now, there are other kinds of prisons, and as we think about that, I want you to drop down to verse 17. And no offense, folks, who were playing the fools or the wackos, but in verse 17 it says, some were sick through their sinful ways, or literally it says, some were fools through their sinful ways. Now, I'd like to read to you, for I brought the message translation along, and in the Message Bible, it talks about this group. Let me read... That paraphrase. Psalm 107:17 through 19. Some of you were sick because you'd lived a bad life. Your body's feeling the effects of your sin. You couldn't stand the sight of food. So miserable you thought you'd be better off dead. Then you called out to the Lord in your desperate condition. He got you out of, in the nick of time. He spoke the word that healed you, that pulled you back from the brink of death. So, thank God for His marvelous love... For his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Now, there are all kinds of situations we get ourselves in. We might call them prisons, we might call them something else. Um, but you and I can at times make a mess of our lives. Would you agree that? We can act like fools. And sometimes we do things, and if someone to say, Well, how did you get in this mess? or why did you do this? you might say, I just no, don't don't go there. Because it's such a mess, you're embarrassed about it. Or sometimes we say, I don't know why this happened. I don't know how this happened. It just happened. And we're in a big mess. How many of you have a credit card? I don't need to pull mine out. How many of you have? Be honest now. Okay, now I'm going to ask you something else, but don't respond, okay? How many of you, you've had a credit card, and I'm sure it didn't happen recently, maybe when you were young and foolish. But uh, how many of you can identify with having that credit card, and one day you get a bill, and you're used to getting the bills of the credit card, but one day it's like a slap in the face, and you say, well, how do I owe thousands of dollars? How could it be I owe $3,000? And then you say, if you have a spouse, you say to your spouse, you know, well, what did we buy here? And you begin to think about how did this bill get to $3,000, and you really can't give an explanation. You bought stuff. Now, some of us have been there. I can see by the smiles on your face. You say, how did this happen? Well, you know, it just happened. It's, It's not uncommon, especially for younger people to, you know, you're driving a car and you see all these car ads and there's so much pressure to drive this new and beautiful car that's going to solve all your problems. And so you say, well, it wouldn't hurt to go look at that car. And you run into some wonderful salesman and pretty soon you're the owner of that new car. And you wake up one day when you realize the payment plan and you say, Holy smoke, I'm going to pay on this till I'm a hundred. And I'm going to pay hundreds of dollars every month. And you end up with what's called buyer's remorse. You say, I didn't really need this car. My old car was running fine. And all of a sudden you say, how did I get in this mess? Now, whether it's financial or in other ways, you and I tend to have that ability to get in a mess. And the psalmist says of those people, I don't even like to use the word, but the Bible word is fools, you know, who make a mess. He says they cried out to the Lord. What did the Lord do? Well, if you're going to make a mess, I don't love you. No. Remember how the psalm starts? The Lord is what? Good. God is always good. And so that doesn't mean God's going to pay off your bills, but God will help you get out of that mess. He's going to help you learn a lesson and move forward positively. So they cried out to the Lord, even this group, and the Lord rescued them. So they're supposed to give thanks to the Lord because He's rescued them. And I want to encourage you today, as you think about this Psalm 107, to give thanks to the Lord. And throughout this week, to be a person of thanksgiving for what God has done. Now, there's one more group of people. What's that last group about? Sailors. The first five rows have got it. You in the back. What's the word about? Sailors, okay, we're all getting it. The next group is about sailors. You know, I've always wanted to go sailing. I don't know if I could stand it or not. I might be sick. But uh, my uncle owns a big yacht, and I've never actually... I've always wondered, why can't we sail off to Hawaii or something like that? Uh, I think that's not going to happen. But uh, sailing has always intrigued me. And in verse 23, it says, Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the mighty waters. Now, one of the odd things about Psalm 107 is some people have said it doesn't really feel like a Jewish psalm. That is to say that these experiences here are not really typical of Israel, and especially this one. Israel never was a a nation with a navy. Solomon had ships for a little while. Uh, Another king, Jehoshaphat, he built a bunch of ships and they wrecked in Ebion gezer So they've really not been noted as a seafaring people. So this is kind of a strange comment by the psalmist here. But you do remember Jonah went off to the ship. And in the New Testament, we have examples of the Apostle Paul who was in a ship, and everybody thought they were going to die but him. The Lord encouraged him. And then you remember the story of Jesus and the disciples, and they went out on the Sea of Galilee, and there was the storm that came up, and they thought they were going to die, and uh, they thought they would drown. Who was with them in the boat? Jesus. And he was sleeping, but when they cried out to him, he got up and he rebuked the wind and waves, and they calmed down and they were rescued. And they realized, wow, who is this who can speak to the wind and the waves? So this concluding story is about those who are out at sea. They think they're going to die. They cry out to God, and God rescues them. He saves them. Now, there's a little prayer, and I wish I had stuck it in the outline for you because I love it. But you can memorize it. There's a little prayer that I have in the book of prayers, and it's called the Fisherman's Prayer. And it goes like this. And part of what the storm passage is about here is that the sea is so big and we're so small. It's like looking into the sky. You say, wow, it's just vast. And then there's me. And this prayer goes like this. Dear God, the sea is so big and my boat is so small. That's a good prayer. And sometimes we feel like that. We especially feel like that if there's a storm going on. Now, I don't know what might be in your life right now, but it might be a storm of finance, that you're just overwhelmed with financial pressure. That can be a storm. I know of some who have children who are far from God and there's great turmoil in their lives. That can be a storm. It may be the storm of a health problem of some kind of sickness that's upon you, and that can be a storm. There may be relationships which are stormy. That can be a storm. There are all kinds of storms which come our way. They're actually quite common to us humans. And the point is that sometimes we wonder, where is God? Is He asleep? Does He care? And the psalmist encourages us At the outset of this psalm and at the end, God is always good. His love is everlasting. He always responds to us in love and goodness. And we can give thanks to the Lord. The last line of this psalm is really uh, quite remarkable. It says, Let those who are wise give heed to these things and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Let those who are wise ponder what's said in this psalm, and the result is to give great glory to God. There's a story, and some of you have heard this story, but it's worth retelling. It's a story of a man born in England many years ago, and at age 18, he was forced into the Navy, and he hated it. In fact, he hated it so badly that he deserted, and in that day when you deserted, they brought you out in public and physically whipped you with a whip, and that's what happened to him. His name is John Newton. And you know John Newton, perhaps, uh, if you've been in church, you've heard stories about him. But he, after that whipping, of course, was back into the uh, Navy and the sailing boats and so forth. And he went into the uh, slave trade, and he was on slave trading boats. And he lived that kind of rough life for many years. And John Newton said of himself these words, that uh, during that period of time, he said... There I could be, there meaning on the, in this merchant marine, on the slave tra- trading ship. There I could be as abandoned as I pleased without any control. And he led a life that was very far from God. But one day when he was out on his ship at sea, this slave trading ship, a tremendous storm came up that went on and on and on. He talked about being up from 3 a.m. in the morning till noon just pumping the ship. Their food spoiled and washed overboard. They lived off of fish that they caught as this storm went on. And as it went on and on, he thought he was going to drown. Interestingly enough, he'd spent these years at sea. He couldn't swim. And he was terrified that the ship was going to go down and he would drown. And so there on that ship, far from God, Newton cried out to God, save me. Eventually, the storm passed and John Newton did not die. And he remembered that prayer. And so he got a Bible, and he began to read his Bible, and he began to study his Bible. He didn't change overnight. But as he studied that Bible, he realized he was in an evil business, and he left the slave-trading business. Not only that, he continued to study. He became a pastor in Olney, England. And there in Olney, England, he wrote many, many hymns as he served his congregation very faithfully. Near the end of his life, at age 82, in fact, he said, I've lost my memory. I've forgotten many things. But I still know these things. I'm a great sinner. Christ is a great Savior. And that was his statement to us. Now, this morning, as you've listened to these stories, we've talked about people who've wandered away from God, got lost. We've talked about prisoners, people who are in captivity of some kind. We've talked about people who are just foolish. We've talked about sailors, people in the storms of life. And in all these stories, the goal has been to look up to God who loves you Everlasting love. And to identify situations in your life where you've cried out to God. Maybe you need to do that today. And the Lord will respond. He is in the rescue business. And as you come into this Thanksgiving season, I pray that you reflect on your life. How's God rescued you? Celebrate God's love and give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. If you will live your life giving thanks to the Lord, those five words can change your life forever as a thankful person. I want us to sing one of the songs John Newton wrote. Would you stand with me and let's sing out as Ted comes to lead us this great song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that sing.